0: Hello, and welcome to the Event Lab podcast, your window into the events conversation. Brought to you by Hirespace. This episode, Will Swannell, co-founder and chief executive of Hirespace, is on to talk to us about live availability,
1: a new system for booking events. I was talking to someone who runs a big events agency the other day, and they were saying that you know for their whole life, that's been the holy grail, <laughs> <girl>, because <laughs> so much time is wasted. Yeah.
0: We have two venue experts in the studio to tell us more about two new venues that have opened. The
2: views from a venue when it's sort of between like the 8th and 15th floor. I've always personally kind of preferred them to your skyscraper views. You feel more amongst it in terms of rather than just
0: looking down on everything. But first, Richard feeds back on the square meal exhibition. Hotels are turning to event professionals to design their event spaces. And we hear all about the theft of a solid gold toilet. All that and more, as Charlotte Gentry, Richard Groves, and Ed Poland sit down for the News Digest.
3: Evening, everyone. Evening, Ed. Delighted to see Richard Groves back. Know, in the, the hot term seat on the Podders. It's been a while. Dad's
4: been a long time. What have you been doing all summer? I've been cool on cool stuff, fun stuff, holiday, and um, lots of uh, music events. And I went to Festival, which was amazing. Well, it's been a really good summer. Lots Feastival? of holidays as well. Festival is at Alex James's farm. Who's the guy from Blur, um, the cheese cheesemaker. It's had amazing up. reviews, that, actually. It was brilliant. it brilliant. Yeah. I was invited down by IMG, and it's such an amazing... I took the children, which they've never been to a festival before, and we just... Is it quite small? 25,000 people a day, it's small. So small. Um, yeah. but, it, it, but it feels small, it feels very compact, and, and well-curated. There's loads to see, loads to buy, great acts. Um, mm. Jess Glynn was playing, and I thought that was Jeff Lynn from ELO, but um, <laughs> uh, when she came on, I didn't <laughs> recognise Really good. Great summer. And you?
5: I've been here pretty much all summer. I had a bit of time off in August, but um, yeah, i think wild and crazy.
4: Charlotte Gentry,
3: Pure Events. Hello, Ed. Welcome back in. Um, who, who went to
4: Square Meal? I did.
3: I did not. I think we could talk about exhibitions. How was Square Meal? Mm-hmm.
4: Square Meal was um, interesting because it had just been bought by um, Centaur, I think it was. And this um, is the first one? This is the first one since so they bought out of Square Meal. Um, and I was doing a talk on Christmas parties with um, other podder, Sam Allen. Mm. And we had a little group of people from Natural History Museum and the Brewery and we answered questions. And then I had a good look round the stands. It's one of those shows that really it's interesting to see who's not there as well as who's there. And there was quite a lot of people that I expected to be there, but a lot of people I didn't see that I also expected to be there. So there's no big caterers, no, none of the really big venues seem to be there. Some people have made a big statement, so Church House had a big stand and the Barbican had a big stand. Barbican always have a big stand. Barbican always have a huge stand. <laughs> but it was interesting to see who who's come into this year, and I think everybody's sort of watching and waiting to see how it develops and whether they change much, but um, it's quite busy.
5: I wonder whether how exhibitions are going to fare, especially um, exhibitions of that nature, which are relatively boutique in comparison to some of the others, well, certainly in comparison to the likes of IMAX or, you know, Conflicts, etc., because um, with sort of increasing buy-in online and digitalization, you know, exhibitions are exhibitions going to become relatively obsolete?
3: There are lots of exhibitions aren't there, even in there London?
5: Are, and also, we just, you know, as agencies, we don't have the time to dispatch even, you know, one of your younger members of the team to run around an exhibition necessarily. And I'm not really certain that your one's research gets done in that way anymore. It'll be interesting to see how, how that how that works. There is the an argument
4: for, for going as a bit of a PR exercise. So, for instance, we didn't have a stand at Smart and I, I wandered around and saw some venues that we work at and saw some friends <laughs> and, and so it was a useful two hours of my time on one sort of business development because there was people there that I hadn't seen and it was a very informal way of meeting them. And then you get another meeting or whatever. Finding out new venues, finding out new information, I think slightly more tricky. Um, but I always, I think any hour spent in the industry is probably worthwhile hour spent in the industry. So if you do send someone and they just run into someone they haven't seen for a long time or you run into a, a client is also looking around, and you buy them a cup of coffee. Then, yeah. and,
5: and maybe, and maybe therefore it's different for different um, demographics within the industry. Because I can completely see how it would be very beneficial from a research perspective. From for you, for us, I would much rather send my team to an event where it's very much more content-based, as a, where they're actually learning about different industry topics and pertinent questions and stuff. Rather than, I, I, do, I don't think that they really would learn a huge amount necessarily wandering around stands for venues no. necessarily because it's not really how we do our research anymore.
4: And the seminar programme is becoming more and more important as you've said in all of them like event Lab in a couple of weeks' time. I think people will be drawn by the seminar programme as much as by the people they're going to go and see when they're on the trade side.
3: Uh, interesting
4: what you say Richard about you. there were people you expected to see there who weren't. Yeah, if you're not there then no one can see you sort of thing which is an, an obvious truth but it's you know, if you're putting yourself about then where do you put yourself in front of potential clients and be seen? It's one of the most expensive shows, one of the bigger ones. You have to build a good stand, you have to make a bit of an impact, because if you're tucked around the back of the mezzanine on a £2,000 stand, then you probably won't get the footfall that everybody else gets. But do you want to spend £15,000 on building a really big Barbican-style stand? But some of the big party organisers weren't there, and there was maybe two caterers, but none of the ones that we expected to see if, there was, if it was really being engaged with by the what we'd the sort of the top private and corporate markets.
5: I think September also is a funny time of year, actually, to have an exhibition because people are just coming back from coming off the holiday season and are sort of swamped with, you know, what mm. the rundown to Christmas is beginning to feel like or they're putting strategies together or whatever. So I would question whether September's actually a particularly good time to do something like this anyway in terms of finding the time to, to want to spend a day walking around doing something like that i think people certainly from my side are probably more bogged down in strategy and 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 getting their head back into the game rather than wandering around an exhibition
3: hovering thumbs let's move on so i thought this one was quite interesting this is an article in event industry news and it talks about how hotel developers are turning to event professionals to design or redesign their event spaces does that surprise you?
5: Not at all, um, because events professionals understand the flow of what it what event spaces need to feel like um, for delegates, and so that doesn't surprise me in the slightest. I mean, there are some um, venues or resorts where you where you look at the way. I mean, I've been to hotels, as an example, um, in the Middle East, which have absolutely zero soul, where mm. you walk in um, and and um, uh, muscat sort of springs to mind which is three days of my life, I'll never get back. They've not considered what it should feel like as you as you arrive. It's not particularly welcoming. It's this sort of, you know, it feels like a sort of Persian palace almost, but just massive, massive space with sort of nothing nothing in it really. If you could get a designer in there to come in and say, okay, you need seating areas, you need areas for people to engage in and, you know, um, a- and create that atmosphere, that's what a lot of these hotels need, I think.
3: People it's just such a demand for Space that's different and creative, yeah, and, and I guess and that maybe the, that doesn't come instinctively. And hotels,
4: fully enough, you know, this is the last bit of the, the jigsaw that they're now addressing because they spend fortune on lobbies and bedrooms and spas and stuff. And in the last 10 years, they've been putting name chefs into restaurants. People don't go to a hotel to, to eat unless you've got Jason Atherton or yeah. Gordon Ramsay or whatever. Then all of the a sudden, they thought, oh, we've got all these big spaces downstairs that have got pillars and huge chandeliers that look soulless. What are we going to do to fill those? Because there's a lot of new venues out there that are banging on their door. You know, all the time, we're looking, saying, "What could we take out of Grosvenor House or Dorchester to put into a, a venue that has got amazing energy or sort of real soul to it?" As you said, that the, the, the big hotel spaces don't historically have.
3: Do you think hotels are seriously now feeling the, the 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 impact of and the threat from independent venues? I think now it's so easy to find new kind of creative space and spaces that what industry is traditionally so dominated by by hotels and I think it's, it's much easier to find different, unique, independent mm. space. Do you, a, do, you a, do you think it's a real threat to hotels?
5: I think it's a challenge if you're looking for space for big groups with accommodation. So if we're talking about hoteliers, you know, that even if you looked at sort of design hotels or whatever, those types of hotels, they'll only ever give you probably maximum somewhere between 30 to 50 bedrooms. And if you've got, you know, a 200-person conference or whatever, you are going to a hotel that's got 500 bedrooms because you, they won't give you an allocation yeah. of more than, you know, like a certain amount. So, um, and those very big hotels just don't... They haven't invested in, in, in that... Whatever it is that creates that ambience, they just don't really invest in it very well.
3: Well, it seems now they are. They well, say yeah. if you're building a house, you are an architect... <laughs> So if you're developing an event space, you should hire an event management expert. Exactly.
5: Great. I know what, you know, maybe I'm going to be forming myself out, the offering myself, <laughs> offering my services. Become a hotel, hotel consultant, you know, in terms of like, you know, designing and, you know.
3: That'd be really fun. What would it'd be, be your, really great fun. What would be your, you cannot live without this feature?
5: To me, the two fundamentals in any venue are lighting and music. So you know you can have great taste and you can buy some really lovely furniture, but if you've got rubbish lighting that just doesn't work, and you know there are a couple of places that spring to mind that I've actually been to on a personal level, um, where you sort of think this is a really great restaurant, but my God, have they got the lighting wrong? And how mm. how have they done it? How is this just 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 doesn't work? So yeah, There's to me four that
4: four huge chandeliers, yeah, or, down the or of it's the room.
5: really bright somehow, but actually it just shouldn't be, and the furniture looks like canteen stuff, and it just it just doesn't work.
3: So
4: light of music, yeah, Richard, what would you add. every time you you put an event into a, into a venue, you try and create some kind of journey, so you've got, you've got you got you come to different areas and things and and you know the hotels, because of what they are, you have to come through a shared entrance because you've got all the people checking in from the coach trips as well, and you then find your way down the stairs into this big, soulless space with pillars and big chandeliers. it's It's not an adventure, it's not it doesn't grab anybody's imagination. And you just know you're going to be in for a fairly run-of-the-mill um, I- evening, really. And interestingly enough, we launched a new venue called Magazine on the Greenwich Peninsula, right next door to the Intercontinental. And we're talking to them really seriously about... They, they get what we're doing, and we're a big box you can get 1,200 people sitting down in, and it's got amazing production and 8-metre windows overlooking Canary Wharf. Um, and they haven't, but they've got all these bedrooms and they've got all this F&B. So we're, we're, people are coming across to us to have their event because it's much easier to make it incredibly engaging and, and, and have an amazing theatrical experience. And then you go back and they have breakfast and sleep in the hotel. Works really well. Have you heard about the the
3: gold, the stolen gold the golden toilet? You heard, no, if only was was a, it's a toilet. Have you heard about it? Yes, yeah, I a home.
4: Blenheim Palace. Paris. Someone, some pooper traitor, broke in and um, <laughs> and stole stole the toilet off the wall. So a one million solid gold, eighteen
3: carat, toilet was stolen from Blenheim Palace recently. I mean,
5: I'm curious as to how they got it out with anyone noticing.
3: I think we need to ask as an event industry, do we need to be more careful with our solid gold toilets? Because we don't want to run on them, do we? <laughs> <laughs> worth a million. Stolen from the birthplace I mean, of Winston Churchill.
5: Who builds a £1 million toilet?
4: I think it was part of an exhibition <clears throat> of contemporary art. I think it was an installation. Ah, as, but it was used. It was usable. People could go and lock themselves in.
5: Could they? Do,
4: yeah, do their business and then say, I've sat on a gold toilet. It
5: sounds like one of those Mission Impossible scenes, doesn't yeah. it? Yes. Where somebody got dropped in by a sort of wire and sort of ripped it out of the floor and sort of shot up through the, through the conservatory windows or through mm, the oratory yeah. or something and took it with them. Must be quite heavy, though. You would have thought so, Yeah.
3: So the toilet has not been recovered.
5: So nobody knows where it is?
3: No-one knows. The police have issued an appeal for anyone who may... Well, see. it will
5: have been melted down by now, surely.
3: Oh, don't say that.
5: <laughs> well, <laughs> no. I mean, you've got a million pounds worth of gold sitting, um, you know, designed but by Mr Crapper. Either... You know, surely it would be now sort of in you coins, wouldn't I You wouldn't be, be able think. to shift
4: it, would you?
3: Because people would expect to see it. Yeah. Well, I think it's our duty on behalf of a brilliant UK venue to extend the appeal. So any listeners, if you have seen the solid gold toilet... <laughs> get in touch eventlab@highspace.com. at hirespace.com or maybe just the police unless <laughs> <laughs> they say the police have nothing to go on his uh, event planner He's asked this question at i think this will be a great one for you quite simple he says two-part question he says when you're planning a big event what are the very first things that you think about what are the very first things and secondly since it's slightly more wide about this one what are the things that are really really easy to forget
5: Going back to the lose, um, one of the first things that actually I think about are the cloakroom facilities and the and the toilets, mm-hmm. um, because the cloakroom is the first thing people um, notice as they come in because it's their first experience and it's the last thing they remember as they leave.
3: So then you're in the venue. So is the venue always the is the venue the first thing you think about it- finding the venue?
5: No, it's actually probably the experience for the event itself that I'm considering before, mm-hmm. about, and the venue comes second.
3: Venue comes second.
5: Um, sorry, but I was considering the the, the delivery of it, so if, I, if I've actually chosen the venue, then the cloakroom and the toilets would be the first two things that I would look at probably in that space, mm-hmm. having already decided that the experience that we're going to create is right for that particular location. Um, and things that people often forget are actually things like the load-in facilities and the access points, because it's the things that are seem like you know second nature that you would just you actually forget other things that go horribly horribly wrong
3: yeah loading is one isn't it you just yeah I mean yeah. so you just assume you can load get stuff in <laughs> well, and exactly out it. it's the logistics it's, all, it's the boring very stuff basically about, yeah, exactly. yeah, it's
5: the boring stuff that you just don't sell the think dream about. but that someone's got to yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so
3: number one first the dream. sell the dream yeah then yep. find a venue
5: that actually delivers on the boring stuff
3: and then worry about loading <laughs> <laughs> simple we've got, we've got two months now for all events professionals listening going into the busiest two months of the year where there's events every night and planning and going
4: out and Richard what are you doing to make sure you stay healthy and stay on top of your game during this well actually my diet is not brilliant in November and December I tend to live on espresso coffee mince pies and satsumas
5: <laughs> well satsumas are pretty healthy yeah well
4: I get, the <clears throat> I get my sugar rush and, and the caffeine keeps me awake yeah, but I don't drink alcohol during December because I'm working, so uh, that helps. That's a good tip. Don't drink. Satsumas, Charlotte.
5: Try and take some exercise every day, um, which is you know quite important. I think gets the you know gets the pheromones going, gets the whatever it is endorphins moving, makes you happy, cheerful, energetic. And enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Great. Good to see you, Ed. Good to see you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ed.
3: See you next time. Bye,
5: Charlotte.
0: Bye. Thanks for that, Ed. If you have any questions you'd like to submit to the News Digest or you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at eventlab at hirespace.com. Coming up next, we have the other co-founder of Hirespace, Will Swannell, to talk to us about live availability. Very lucky to be joined this week by uh, Will Swannell, uh, Chief Executive and Co-Founder of HireSpace. You'll all be very used to hearing from Ed Poland, but you might not have heard from Will, the other co-founder of HireSpace. So hello, Will. Uh, Great to finally be on the pod. So, Will, you've come in today to talk to us about live availability. Um, Now, not all of our listeners
1: will know what live availability is. So live availability is the next big revolution uh, in the the venue booking industry. At the moment, there's thousands, tens of thousands of venues booked around the UK each year. uh, And it's all done on a request basis. You'll call, you'll email just to find out the dates. Live availability brings the venue's diary online. So it saves people saves people time um, and saves venues time as well. So, in in, in what uh, way does it sort of um, facilitate for people booking a venue? How does it make
0: it easier for them? What are the advantages?
1: You now, if you're a, if you're a busy events coordinator and you've got uh, you've got an event going on next week and you're you're trying to plan the venue for for an event the month after, you don't want to spend your afternoon chasing venues to find out if they're free on the twenty third of October. You know, you, what you want is to click your fingers and to know exactly which venues <laughs> yeah. are free so that you can get on doing your job and delivering a fantastic event.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I have actually worked with quite a few clients that, that they really wish they could click those fingers and get that availability straight yeah, away. They,
1: they, they always need it yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly.
1: For the venue side, what what are their advantages? So for them, it, it it saves them time, and it, it just means they're only working on leads that are that, that are going to work for them. So it cuts down on their workload. Exactly. If you if you're working in a venue and half your time is spent responding to responding to inquiries and saying sorry, we're not free on the tenth of October can you do the 9th or can you do the 12th? Yeah. That, that's something that this technology can do for them so that they can focus on, on meeting their clients and weighing them. Just, I mean, something that comes to mind that some might be a concern for some venues
0: is that, that they might be a bit protective of their availability. Of, yeah, of course. Is, that, it,
1: what, what would you say to a venue that, that had these sort of concerns? So I mean, that, 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 that's something that we've really listened to venues on. Um, and so the technology that, that we've developed will never say no. If someone inquires for the, for the 15th of January... It'll never say no to the client. It'll say, sorry, that doesn't quite work, but can you do the 14th? Maybe you can do the following Tuesday. Uh, just to make sure that it's mimicking exactly what the best salesperson would uh, would do. Am I right in saying that this is uh, like a pretty new concept? Uh, it, it is. I mean, it, for for decades it's you know it's been seen as the the holy grail i was talking to someone who runs a big events agency the other day and they were saying that you know for their whole life that's been the holy grail because <laughs> so much time is wasted yeah. <laughs> just just finding out that that simple information but it's it's only really this year that the technology started to enter the market in a way that venues really really buy into mm-hmm. um and the event bookers are starting to use
0: what sort of tech needs to be in place in order to have your availability live with Highspace.
1: So if you're a venue, it's uh, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, you just need to, to get in contact with us. Uh, you can email us at venues at and then we'll see if we're compatible with the software that you use to run your venue. If you're just running your venue from a Google Calendar or from an Excel sheet, then we can provide our own software for you. And it's as simple as that. The process takes 10 minutes.
0: How secure is it? Like, how much control do the venues still have over their availability? Is it is it still
1: very much in their hands? I mean, it's it's always always in the venues' hands. Uh, if if someone forgets to to enter a booking into the system and it shows it's available, it it doesn't necessarily mean that someone can can instant book that that slot. It still means that the, the the request will come in and then they can deal with it how they how they normally would. It just means that venues aren't spending time responding with the same template email saying, actually, sorry, we're not available on that date can you do this other one and clients aren't uh, reaching out to lots of venues that aren't available so uh, well that, that that's the worst <laughs> thing about the, the you know the, the, the entire industry is that if you're a time poor event booker you have to send your brief to 20 30 40 50 venues just to make sure that you've got 10 that can actually accommodate it
0: and so what kind of feedback have you had from the venues that have already signed up to this
1: um uh, yeah like feedback so far has been fantastic um, you know we've had some had some real you know real success stories uh, like we had a like a big 90k Christmas party that that came in the other day and you know instead of it instead of the customer having to wait you know, until the next day to find mm-hmm. out if the uh, the venue was free you know within seconds they either knew that it was and they ended up confirming later that afternoon and so obviously you know a venue can can turn turn around and confirm a, a nine pound piece of uh, piece of business mm. in a few hours you know they're they're incredibly yeah, very happy.
0: big smile on the face. Yeah. <laughs> Where would you see this technology and this system sort of
1: taking us in in sort of like a you know a couple of years or like five years time? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's really early days with this technology and the venues which have you know, signed up to, to put their availability live with us. Mm-hmm. You know, at the moment, they're, they're really reaping the benefits. Yeah. You know, they're, they're seeing all this, all this business because they've got instant response. Uh, but, you know, as the rest of the industry catches up with those, those forward thinking venues, mm-hmm. you know, I, see a, I see a time in, you know, in five, ten years time where this is, this is the norm. And, you know, like so many other industries, it's not a case of chasing by mo, but it's a case of having the information you need digitally at your fingertips as the norm for event bookers this is what people have been crying out for yeah. for decades and now now the technology exists to make it happen it's a really exciting time for the yeah, industry
0: really exciting thank you so much will for um coming in and explaining it i feel a lot wiser i hope our listeners do as well and look forward to the bookings that i'm making the future being much much quicker thanks for having me on uh, thanks very much and coming up next i sit down with nathan marks for a bit of venue talk Hello, Nathan. Hello. A venue talk veteran. Yeah, it's the, been a while. The Scrooge McDuck of
2: venue knowledge. Back in the studio. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck of venue knowledge. Yeah, I always
0: picture you. How you work that one out? Yeah, well, it's uh, the, the all the gold coins that he jumps into is all the venue knowledge, and uh, you're you're the duck. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that's bang on actually. You've got like a, a,
2: a tasty fresh venue for me. Literally went there for lunch today is the Hoxton Hotel in Southwark. Obviously not the first venue. They've got one in, in Hoxton, they've got one in Hoburn, Bloomsbury sort of area. Uh, this one, as I mentioned, opened last week. Uh, absolutely beautiful venue. Anyone who's familiar with the Hoxton Hotel group, uh, I'm, I'm sure you, you know what to expect and it's to the same high standard as all the other venues in the portfolio. Um, so in terms of event space, uh, where we went for lunch today, absolutely beautiful restaurant in the in, on the ground floor uh, called Albi, uh, Riviera style food. Food. that's what they were kind of going for with the menu uh, absolutely beautiful lo- lovely lunch um, bar area obviously just for decorations they, they have in there is absolutely fantastic everything is so well thought through a lot of a lot of plants in this venue all all over the venue to be honest uh, oh, nice. so anybody who's into sort of uh, plants, I, suppose. Um, I can't get enough. Yeah, I, I can't either. I've got quite a few on my windowsill. So none of them are quite as uh, luscious uh, <laughs> and green as the ones they've got in the venue. Uh, never understood how they keep anything alive from more, yeah, more than
0: 6 months i get super jealous i've, I've, I've been, uh, like i've been slowly over the over the last few months been trying to get my flat more and more like a jungle yeah um, but it's sort of like a constant balance like some keep dying out some keep so i've got no idea how venues keep <laughs> managed to keep manage to keep them all looking pristine all the time
2: yeah well i mean uh joe i, I would highly recommend going to get some inspiration for your uh, jungle living room then in that case <laughs> uh, maybe maybe having a word with them seeing how they do keep everything so luscious the crown on the on the top of the venue though which hadn't actually opened yet when we went there but we did have a bit of a walk around and it is absolutely breathtaking it's called the seabird restaurant uh on the 14th floor of the venue top floor fits 200 people <laughs> uh for a standing reception uh, it's a seafood restaurant uh got the indoor space but, but they've also got a, an absolutely beautiful outdoor area um as well at the venue which just has fantastic views over london i've, I've always personally thought uh the views from a venue when it's sort of between like the 8th and 15th floor I, i've always personally kind of preferred them to your skyscraper views just because you get you feel more amongst it in terms of r- rather than just looking down on everything. The outdoor area itself, it's got retractable roof. So even though we are going into the autumn and, and winter months, it's still going to be absolutely fantastic uh, for them with the retractable roof, with the outside heaters and um, lo- lots of lots of speakers in the outdoor space as well. So certainly you won't feel like you're being removed too much from the venue itself. On top of that, you, you've, you've also got uh, 192 bedrooms, um, which come in a, which come in three different sizes. Um, the decorations of a room, I'd say it's it's kind of Wes Anderson esque, uh, <laughs> yeah. which which I'm a bit of a fan of. Um, def, you know, like rotary phones in the room, old fashioned plug-in radios, yeah. uh, weird light switches. Like I don't <laughs> know how to, put, how to how to describe them, but just every little detail in the room has been so so thoroughly thought through. Also, in the in the room, one of the things which I found quite interesting is uh, in each of the rooms they've they've referenced. Uh, a member of the community of the local community and um them about their favorite artists and their favorite authors and um yeah they've got they've got the the 10 favorite books of each of the people who consulted on the on the rooms um so the room we went into was consulted on i believe by uh one of the directors of art at tate modern um really? and had his 10 favorite books in there
0: Oh, brilliant. What was the, what were the ten
2: favourite books? Do you uh, the one I remember he had um, the Guinness World Book of Records, 2009. <laughs> Always a highlight. Yeah, I know that's one of your favourite uh, ones, Joe. That's the one where uh, I'm sure, as you, you're quite aware, as a lot of your listeners will be as well, um, Sultan Curzon, the world's tallest man, overtook the throne for first year from uh, Bao Shishon. <laughs> I know when Bao Shishon clocked in at eight foot two and a half inches, I certainly
0: didn't think that would be beaten in my lifetime. <laughs> I'm um, not sure about you. You know, Joe. we we live in a golden age. It's yeah. like some people could go, you know, whole lifetimes without the uh, tallest man in the world getting taken over by someone else.
2: Ba- Baal Shishon personally was enough for me. <laughs> and then um, Sultan Curzon just, just came in, I believe eight foot, six and a half inches. <laughs> So absolutely blowing Belshishan out of the water, quite frankly. And uh, that's the Hoxton Hotel in Southwark. Well, Sorry,
0: do got one more question that I just need to About, ask before we
2: move on. Yeah. What was the food like? Have you had a chance to taste it yet? The food was fantastic. I had a sea bream uh, with um, some sort of fancy... Sauce, I can't remember the name of, as well as samphire, uh, a very underrated vegetable. I'm not sure if you if you've gotten involved in too much. <laughs> no, samphire, no yeah? idea. <laughs> uh, it's riv- Riviera style food, so it's um, kind of Italian, French style food. Uh, people had that steak, um, you yeah, know, absolutely lovely. Uh, plenty of aioli going around the table. If you're into that, people able to book already. Yep, the event spaces are are good and ready to go. They're taking inquiries, so if anybody's looking for somewhere for their Christmas party or or maybe their summer party next year, as 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 I mentioned, the Seabird Restaurant, although it has got a wonderful outdoor space, it would work well. In any season to be honest um for a, for a restaurant downstairs it's got it's got the conferencing areas which which are present in all the hoxton hotels as well um, which they call the apartment um designed to look like an apartment where you've got bedroom living room kitchen and uh they do all-inclusive sort of packages where you have access to the kitchen which has snacks and coffee and stuff like that and it's great for great for away days and that's uh that's open and uh, ready to go didn't actually see that at the hotel because there was a, a booking in there today so that proofs that it's ready
0: <laughs> it's gonna be busy brilliant fantastic yeah. thanks very much for that Nate. no
2: worries at all joe and um i believe uh you had something for me as well
0: i Oops. do yeah um i've gone for blame gloria uh which is a uh, bar in the adventure bar group mm-hmm. you know a lot of people talking about it, it's really exciting and i actually got to go there and have try some of their cocktails and their drinks last night oh so, wow so, so we've both, we've both <laughs> been to our venues in the last 24 hours <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. fantastic <laughs> Yeah, we stick with you. Up. Yeah, we definitely, definitely, uh, get out too much. Not need to get out more.
2: Yeah, I, I think I saw a video of you actually standing on a table singing. Uh, what, what
0: song was it you were singing? Oh, I did. I did. Elton John. I Can't remember what was it. Elton John, your song. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Very heavily encouraged and a big mistake. There are videos.
2: This would maybe lead. Uh, listeners to believe that it's a karaoke bar well in fact it's a, it's actually not there was uh, members of the public there
0: no yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah no. <laughs> everyone, everyone, it's everyone was not involved the karaoke there, bar. there was, a, there was a, a couple that might have been on a first date that definitely weren't mm. enjoying it as much as the rest of the people in the yes. bar were enjoying it but it was a really cool place and it is really fun it does kind of uh, lend itself to to like a wacky night, last night uh, like that so uh, Blame Gloria takes its name from sort of like famous or infamous band groupie they name a lot of their uh, spaces within the venue after famous uh, rock musicians that Gloria supposedly slept with, so there's like the Bowie room, Jimi Hendrix room. You sort of get the idea. Oh wow! But yeah, sort of like worked her way through, and uh, her legacy lives on in this bar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's really cool space, um, really bright and colourful, done in sort of to go with the sort of groupy, sort of seventies rock star sort of vibe. It's got a very seventies sort of feel to it in the decoration, and very bright and colourful, almost sort of like campy in places. And they mm. have like um sort of old sort of 90s-esque sort of TV sets in there, sort of like that you watch, that they've got cameras that show you as you're partying, like back on the screens. Drinks and food were amazing. I mean, for food, it was sort of bar snacks, but bar snacks done very, very well. Like, really nice burgers, endless chicken wings. Like, oh, well. would, would have had your workout for you in a, in oh, a chicken wing I, I think I could have managed. <laughs> but yeah, really, really, no, uh, really nice food. And um, they've, they've obviously put a lot of work into their cocktails as well, because a lot of them are, are originals to the Adventure Bar group. And um, definitely worth trying. I think uh, the Starburst... Um, cocktail was particularly popular with everyone and, and definitely would be worth heading down just, just for that cocktail alone.
2: I've, I've heard they do um, Skittles vodka shots as well. Yeah,
0: that was that was what led to the dancing on the tables, yeah. Oh, wow. Very nice, and a lot nicer than when you're at uni and you stick a couple of Skittles in a bottle of vodka until it's nice enough to drink. Well, I actually,
2: <laughs> at uni, did try and make Skittles vodka like properly. Yeah, Put the Skittles in and, and you have to leave it for a couple of weeks for them to properly dissolve. Um, if any of our listeners are planning on doing it, uh, the only one tip I would have for you is to not uh put in the purple skittles because they turned the mixture
0: brown (laughs) yeah not as nice as the uh the bright green and bright orange ones that we had last night but um but in terms of a bit more backstory for it as well it's a a very unique space it's um underground because it used to be a public toilet but um complete transformation they've made it look really cool really exciting um, but it's still sort of like quite a cosy space because it has got some of the exposed brick and sort of lower curved ceilings that you sort of mm. like you, you can sort of see where it's come from. But without ever thinking, yeah, I'm in a I mean, I mean, I love the public <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a public ne- yeah. as much as an X manager <laughs> So I'm already sold. Um, but yeah, but I mean, at this, this venue, I think sort of perfect mostly just for parties. Um, they can do capacity of about uh, 250 standing, but they can segment off the smaller areas. And they do have like a couple of rooms that I mentioned before named after the different artists. Um, and yeah it's just a, a really good place to have fun I definitely recommend it for Christmas parties um, uh, you know anniversaries birthdays and en- anything like that anything where you just sort of got like quite a fun group and you and you want to sort of like kick back and, and yeah, have a fun night amazing sounds sounds fantastic I'll definitely be checking that one out then brilliant well um, thanks again for coming on Nathan
2: uh, great to have your input again no worries thank you Joe and thank you Gloria wherever you're on. <laughs>
0: If you haven't registered for Event Lab 2019 already, you can find a link in the show notes below. If you enjoy the show, make sure to rate us on iTunes and Stitcher or the podcasting app of your choice. You can follow all that we do on Twitter and Instagram using the handle eventlab underscore online. Thank you very much for listening.